Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Girl Vibe Podcast. I'm Miranda, and today I'm actually solo. So Janelle and I had kind of talked about last time um, maybe doing some solo episodes so you all could kind of get to know us personally um, so that we could kind of reflect like on our own lives um, and kind of our own personal struggles with things and our own personal tips and advice um, other than just kind of talking about a general topic and I felt like this would also be a good time especially um, in the beginning since we're just starting out um, just to kind of get us you know on the role of making episodes and kind of get you all familiar with us so I'm Miranda I'm 24 I'm in Southern California I I'm going through it. (laughs) I'm going through it. Um, Nobody told me being in my 20s was going to be this hard, but I'm trying to cope. Um, I'm trying to cope. I'm trying to find outlets, and this is going to be my outlet right now. So, um, you know, I'm going to come off as raw, as real as I possibly can because I think that this could possibly be a platform for me to help somebody. So, I'm a social worker. I work with elderly, disabled. Um, I have siblings. I live with my family. And I have struggled with mental illness for my entire life. So I'm here now. I've made it through. So starting off, this is the first time I have ever came on a platform that's public and kind of discussed my life, discussed myself. Um, I'm not a super private person, but I do feel that a lot of times um, social media and kind of public platforms I kind of use as just, you know, sharing like my best pictures, um, the highlights of my life, um, really just to keep in touch with family and friends. I've never tried to be like a public figure. I've never tried to come out and really speak on anything super serious. But in the light of recent events in my life, I feel very drawn to speaking publicly on events that have happened in my life. I feel very drawn. I feel like it is becoming my purpose as I get older, as I gain more clarity on things, I feel that it is becoming my purpose to share my story and it is becoming my purpose to help others. Now, that goes into every aspect of my life. That goes into my personal life. That goes into the career field that I'm in. I, in this moment, that I am drawn to empathizing with people. I am drawn to being there for people, hearing people out, listening. That is the one thing that I needed when I was going through my darkest moment is I needed somebody to listen, hear me out, and not look at me like I was crazy. So like I said, I have dealt with um, mental illness and even that alone is a very stigmatized term. When I tell somebody I'm mentally ill, I have a mental illness, that sounds really um, scary. It sounds like, you know, I'm 
there's something like very wrong with me. I think people have a fear surrounding mental illness. Um, but I have gotten to the point now in my life. I'm 24. I'm about to be 25 where I'm okay. I'm okay with the fact that I have a mental illness and I'm actually proud that I have overcome so much that was due to my my mental illness. So I was a very anxious child. I was the child that my mom dropped me off at daycare and I would cry until I was picked up. So if that was, you know, I was being babysat by somebody, if my mom was gone for four hours, I was going to cry for four hours straight. I was very attached to my mom when I was little. And this became such an issue um, that I actually had to start going to therapy very young because I had separation anxiety from my mom. So what we thought was separation anxiety turned out to be much bigger than just separation anxiety. During one of my darkest moments, I kept the journal. I kept the journal and I can read a passage from my journal. This is something that I wrote January 27th, 2022. I want to preface this by saying that this is my life. No, I've never been through any trauma. Um, I've had a really amazing, wonderful, supportive family. I've had a very stable home. I grew up in a very middle class, very normal, safe neighborhood. I want to talk about the guilt that comes behind that and the fear of sharing personal things and sharing struggles because I know that I could have it much worse. I want to preface this journal entry um, just by saying that because I understand that people have it much worse, much different, but I'm also not one to compare struggles because I believe that everybody's struggles are valid and what's important to you and what you are dealing with personally doesn't necessarily mean that for the next person that that would be something that would be such a big deal, but to you personally, it's valid and it's important and you should always feel supported when you go to somebody or when you share your story. So, I wrote this January 27th, 2022. This was about four months after I had my major episode, um, which was in about August, September of 2021. It was my major episode. It's the first day of first grade. I'm like six years old. My first day at real in-person school as I was homeschooled previously. When we arrive in the parking lot, it suddenly dawns on me that my mom is about to drop me off and leave me here. And I won't be with her the entire day to make sure that nothing bad happens to her. What if she doesn't come back to pick me up? What if she gets in a car accident on the side of the road? 
in a place where nobody finds her for days, her dead body just abandoned there on the side of the road. And I'm here stranded at school and the teachers don't know what to do with me because my dad is at work and the police come and tell me that my mom is dead. And oh my God, what is my dad going to do? How is he going to react? How will I live my life without my mom? I have to make sure she stays with me so I can make sure nothing bad happens to her. The responsibility of keeping my mom away from harm is all on me. A six-year-old little girl. I throw up all over the pavement. I'm six or seven years old, and I'm a cheerleader for my private school. There's a big game tonight, and my dad is working a booth on the opposite side of the field. It's freezing outside. Our coaches have bundled us as best they can, but the high winds are making it feel so much colder. The type of cold where your face goes numb and your eyes feel hot when you close them. Most of the girls are being picked up early. My mom gets there to pick me up and we head to our car that's parked on a curb near the bleachers. She buckles me into the back seat, turns on the heater, puts a blanket over me and says she'll be right back. She's going to the booth to tell my dad that she's taking me home. She's leaving me in the car alone. What if something happens to me? What if the car drives away by itself like it does in the reoccurring dreams that I've had for years? I'm back here. I'm alone. I'm helpless. What if she doesn't come back for me? What if my parents disappear and I'm stuck here with nobody to take care of me? That all too familiar burning feeling tingles across my scalp. My heart is racing and my stomach is in knots. I have what I know now to be my first memorable panic attack. I have to get out of here. I unbuckle from my car seat, fling the door open, and I run. I run, and I run, and I run, and I'm on a field. (laughs) There's a crowd yelling, and there's huge guys in pads, and I'm in the middle of a high school football game, and people are running over to get me off the field. Everybody knew me as the little girl who ran onto the field in the middle of the game. People teased me about it for years, but... That fear that I felt in that moment, that urge to run, to run from myself, is something that I've become all too familiar with. The constant stomach aches, the constant burning feeling in my scalp, chest pain, heart palpitations, going back and forth to the doctor, thinking that I had some rare heart condition, convinced there had to be a medical explanation for the way I felt. That they would find something. It would be a simple fix. The ER visits. Sometimes twice in one day. Always being told that I'm perfectly healthy. It's all in my head. Wishing it was something that the doctors could physically see so that they could just treat it. I did everything and anything to relieve that hideous feeling. Packing food in my church bag as a little girl in case we got stranded on the side of the road in the dirt and nobody could find us thinking that I had asthma in high school because I would have moments where my lungs would tighten, my my throat would close up. Dropping classes when I was at Chafee because I couldn't sit in my seat for more than 20 minutes without thinking I was going to pass out in front of everyone and making a fool out of myself. Staying at community college for an extra two years to make up for the missed classes and lost time. Having to tell every professor and warn them that I have panic attacks and that I have to be sitting by the door in case I need to run out. 
bouncing one leg for the entirety of the class period to make sure that my legs didn't suddenly stop working and cause me to fall if I stood up. Not being able to drive, to go to the store, to take a shower. Not recognizing myself in the mirror anymore. Checking my pulse by touching my neck or squeezing my hand over and over and over to make sure I was still alive. Making sure I wasn't in a dream. Digging my nails into my palms all day to make sure I wasn't in a dream. To the point where I even started doing that in my dreams. Coming to my parents' house in September of 2021. During one of my worst episodes and having to have my mom sleep in my bed with me because my mind was so tortured. The violent, intrusive, terrifying images that get stuck in my head to the point where I start to question my own character. The guilt for feeling this way when I am so blessed to have a great life. Then trying to explain to people how I'm feeling, how it feels like my brain is on fire, like I'm being strangled by my own thoughts. For them to respond with, oh my god, I get stressed like that sometimes too. 23 years, five psychologists, countless ER visits, and countless mental breakdowns later, I have a name for what I'm experiencing now. I have OCD. I know what you're thinking. OCD. Meaning like I'm a perfectionist, super organized, super clean, I love to categorize things. Absolutely not. And this stigma is what I believe led me to be misdiagnosed for so long, without help for so long, spiraling and spiraling until I got to my breaking point in September of 2021. No, I do not check doorknobs, I do not check light switches or count things a certain number of times. Yes, that can be part of the disease, but most people with OCD don't show such obvious compulsions. Um, Most compulsions are mental, and for me, mine are mental. OCD is checking how I'm feeling mentally all day long. It is praying over and over and over for God to bring me peace. It is tapping my fingers to a song in my head to distract myself. It is mentally preparing myself for disasters to happen that only exist in my thoughts. It is thinking about something for so long, hours, days, weeks, months, to the point that it makes me physically ill. It is staying up all night for several nights in a row, Googling symptoms and trying to figure out what's wrong with me. It's asking for reassurance from others over and over. It's reassuring myself over and over. It's missed opportunities, broken relationships, broken confidence. It is all consuming and demanding of my attention 24-7, filtering into everything that I do and every relationship that I have. It is not a quirk, it is not funny, and it is not what you have learned it to be. And no, you probably don't know how I feel. And I don't expect you to. And if you are relating to anything that I'm saying, I highly encourage you to go see a professional, get diagnosed, and get some help. Because OCD is a disease. It is the disease of doubt. It is like a bully living in your head controlling all that you do. It's like you need to do this or else blank. 
it is very biological. It is very real. It shows up on a brain scan where compared to normal controls, the OCD brain lights up everywhere with way too much brain activity, giving us the feeling that our brains are literally on fire. It is not just anxiety. It is not being organized. It is not looking at something imperfect and saying, oh, this is bugging my OCD. It is not the feeling that you have when a big project is due and you're stressed out and you need a beer to calm down. This is my life. This is the battle that I have been battling since I can remember and not knowing what to call it. And I have finally gotten the help I've needed for 23 years. Medication and ERP therapy have completely saved my life. In 2021, late 2021, I was convinced that this disease was going to kill me. I promised God that if I ever got out of this, I was going to raise awareness. I contemplated just deleting all my social media. I contemplated never sharing, never even reading this to anybody out loud. But then I thought, you know, I think I would just be adding to the problem. Um, We need more people to speak up and be real on these platforms because our lives can appear so perfect. Our social media just used as a highlight reel for our existence. And I knew I needed to be real here. The average sufferer of OCD is not diagnosed or is misdiagnosed for 14 to 17 years before they get help. This is a problem. I have a degree in psychology from a top university and I was never taught that this was what OCD was. I had the image always of someone repeatedly washing their hands, checking a doorknob, all the stereotypical things. I never thought that this could be me. But since my diagnosis, nothing has ever been clear. If I can just save one person by raising awareness about this, I'll be complete. I'm dedicated to being an advocate for this disease and educating others on it who have a misunderstood and stereotypical view of what life with this is like, like I did. I'm still taking it day by day. No means am I cured, although I am in remission. I have completed my therapy. I have worked with a psychiatrist. And this is probably going to be an ongoing battle for me. And it's going to be hard to overcome. But... I am open to answering any and every question that pertains to this disease. So that came from my journal from 2022 in January. I wrote that in my journal and it's crazy looking back and seeing how far I've come even from then um, with my mental illness. So now on a day-to-day i would say that i am i'm in remission i do not have ocd symptoms every day um i am pretty much symptom free at the moment which is praise god (laughs) because i never thought that i would make it to this point um so when i did write that that was That was, I believe I had been doing therapy for a couple months. So I did end up going through about six months of therapy. I did ERP, um, which is exposure response prevention. So basically, I learned to figure out what my deepest fear was. And I had to be exposed to it in therapy. So 
it kind of varies with everybody. Those of us with OCD, we have kind of this thing in our brain where we are never given that satisfaction of knowing that we completed something. Um, Maybe not never, but that's kind of the feeling that you get. So it is the disease of doubt. Let's say I am questioning a new medication I'm taking and I'm worried about it. I'm worried about side effects. So what I do is I start Googling. Most people would Google, okay, there's a couple side effects here. All right, well, I'm going to take it. And, you know, if I have one of those side effects, then I'll stop taking it. Whatever. We done. Okay. Now, those of us in that have OCD, those of us that are in an episode, if I get that medication, then I see that there is side effects. Then I Google and then I get an answer. And even if it's a good answer, even if it's, oh, this medication has no side effects. Hmm. But what if it does? Then I'm on another platform. Then I'm on another website. Now I'm on Reddit. Now I'm on YouTube. Now it's been six hours and I'm still Googling. Now it's been two days and I still haven't taken the medication, but I'm still Googling. That's where it becomes a problem. It's compulsively trying to find information that is actually overwhelming my life to the point where I cannot stop thinking about it. That that switch is never going to be turned off. I'm never going to find the information that will satisfy me because I always will have another question. I will always have another question. Each article that I read, I could always doubt. I could always say, oh, well, this person said that they didn't have a side effect, but this person did. So then I have to read about their side effects. And now it's, it's, just, it's just a rabbit. It's just it's like a hole. It's a hole. You get stuck into it then the more that you're feeding into it, the more anxiety that you get, then the more you feel like you need to feed into it. And it's just a constant cycle and it's a monster. Now, in exposure response prevention, ERP therapy, I have learned to basically, I have a thought pop into my head and I'm not giving it any time of day. I have a thought and everybody has thoughts. I have a thought pop into my head and I basically, it might scare me. Maybe it freaks me out. Maybe it's like, oh, why did I think that? That was a weird thought. And now instead of feeding into it, instead of trying to figure out what it means, instead of, you know, having fear surrounding me having a thought, I ignore it. I push it to the side. It's like junk mail. It's like when junk mail pops into your head. Everybody has it. Everybody gets junk mail. Now, are you going to investigate the junk mail? Or are most of us just going to put it in the trash? Put it, Just put it in the trash bin and move on with our life. So that's where I have gotten with my mental illness right now. Um, it does It does flare up when, you know, I'm going through stress. I've realized recently in light of a lot of events that have happened and, you know, Um, the past few months, I have had a little bit more struggle with it, but I feel that overall, my experience with having OCD 
has made me a much stronger person. It's made me so empathetic, like incredibly empathetic um, to where, you know, I work with the, the disabled, I work with the elderly, and I'm just so drawn to them. I'm so drawn to their stories. I'm so drawn to people with mental illness, hearing them out, um, because ultimately there is a stigma. There's a stigma around people who have mental illness and there's a stigma around medications um, that have to do with treating mental illness. There is such a stigma um, and it's really sad. And, you know, I hope that in the near future that this could be something that is talked about more and not talked about in like a, not talked about in like a trendy way or like, a, you know, we're putting out all this information and now people are misdiagnosing themselves and, you know, oh, well, I have weird thoughts. So maybe I have OCD. Like, no, like I'm seeing like real information for people to go to professionals get help not for you to self-diagnose but it is very important for us to kind of hear people's stories and I think that if I would have had somebody like myself who is willing to come out who's willing to share their story and the struggles and how long it took me to get diagnosed if I had somebody like that who had told me when I was in elementary school, maybe my life could have been different. Um, but because I had to deal with this for so long, because I had to literally look for the answers by myself, because I had I had gone through four different therapists, psychologists, everyone told me the same thing. Oh, you just have a lot of anxiety. You just have to relax. We're going to take a breather. We're going to do yoga. We're going to just chill out. Like, no, let's really like ERP. My my current therapist actually saved my life. And I tell her every time I talk to her, finding a good therapist, finding somebody who understands you, who listens to you, who doesn't act like they have never heard about this before. Or they they have no idea what you're talking about or or you just want to sit and, you know, somebody who just wants to sit and chat for, you know, a hundred dollars an hour, like finding a good therapist, somebody who you don't have to see forever, somebody who's actually giving you the tools to change your own life and getting you to the point where you are self-sufficient, where you don't need to come to therapy every week because you are doing so well. That's a good therapist. And to be honest, I treat therapists, I treat doctors all to me it's all customer service it's all under the same category would you keep going back to a food place who's consistently you know giving you terrible food and overcharging you and you know being rude like no you wouldn't um most of us would you know find somewhere else um so that's really something to take into account when looking for a therapist or when opening up to people is the way that that person makes you feel. Do they make you feel validated? Do they make you feel like what you are saying is important? Because that is something that I needed. And when I did find that therapist, when I did find that person, I was in shock because nobody had ever taken me seriously before. And she was the person who literally brought me out of this deep darkness to where I thought that I could never 
escape. There's no way that I could sit here on this podcast and explain the seriousness, all of the feelings that I felt going through that time, the depression, feeling like I can't even look back at pictures from that time because I can see it in my eyes how much I was struggling mentally. There's no words to express the effect of mental illness and there's no words to express the effects of the stigma of mental illness. It is a very lonely, dark place to be in and it's a place to where a lot of times when you are there and you are in your lowest place, if you don't have that support group, I don't really know how I would have gotten out if I didn't have a support group. And so I truly empathize and I truly want you to know that if this is something that you are going through, to try to find that group. For me, I had my family. They had known that I had had obviously all these symptoms for ever since I could remember. Um... So they knew this wasn't something that, you know, came out of nowhere. This was something that we were actually excited to find answers because finding answers means that you can find help. A lot of people come from families who don't really take mental health seriously. And so I can imagine that that would be a very lonely, very depressing state to be in to be somewhere where you are in this deep, dark place to where you don't know if you can escape and then you also have nobody to go to. So I would recommend, for me, something that I did was finding a support group on Facebook. And for a while, me and some other girls who were struggling with OCD, we read a book. I can't remember the name of the book, actually. But... It was basically, it was from Amazon and it was, um, I I don't even think I finished the book because there was so much going on, but that in that moment, it did help me, um, to relate to people, to kind of talk to people who knew the feelings that I was experiencing to, to know that the, the, to know the effects of, this disease and to know how it makes you feel and you know the images just get trapped in your brain and it's like I'm I can see them like I can see these images repeating popping up over and over and over and I can hear like you know the same words the same things popping up in my head over and over and just me feeling like I'm actually losing it and to have people who relate to you even if it's just for that moment while you do get your help can just make all of the difference. So I do recommend support group, finding your people, finding even if it's just a couple friends, somebody who will hear you out and not try to compare their situation to you and just be there for you. And I did have several people in my life who were just there even though they couldn't help me and that's that's the lonely part about having a mental illness is that you are alone in it 
and it's really up to you how you want to get through it and I do believe that having a mental illness and going through this and getting the help and getting the treatment and coming out of it it brings such a maturity and it brings such a kindness and a genuine heart because you know what it feels like to be in that lowest point and I'm sure that this could relate to any other aspect of life to where people are struggling I'm sure that if you were homeless at one point and you know you had nothing you came from nothing and you got out and you got yourself out I'm sure that you would have a compassion for homelessness and you know helping people find resources and you know that's I mean maybe not in every case but I think that our struggles really do make us stronger they make us more compassionate and they make us more willing to learn and to help and to grow and to try to assist people so that they don't have to go through the same cycle and that would be for me a very important thing in my life is i i really have a passion for making sure that people know my experience and this is my first time sharing my experience publicly but making sure that people do not have to wait 15, 17, 20, 24 years before they are diagnosed with a mental illness because that's a lot of time that has been taken away. And I know that's a negative way to look at it, but it's a lot of lost time. It's a lot of time where, you know, I was invited to things and I couldn't go because I was just having such a bad flare up. It was, you know, dropping classes and failing classes and, you know, it's just a lot of missed opportunities um, that I really wouldn't wish on anybody. I do wish to be that person that people could come to, that people could relate to. I come with no judgment, with peace and enlightenment. If you are going through any type of change, any type of major life event or a breakup or a loss of a friendship or a new diagnosis or family problems or problems at school, I do want you to know the worst times in our life really are just a season. And people have told me this over and over. And even right now, I'm going to be completely real. I am still in a season. I can go into this in another episode, but I have been through a lot recently um, with my personal life, with my career. And I'm trying to kind of find myself, figure out who I am. And sometimes it just feels like too much. And I remember that feeling when I was going through my my episode, when I was going through my, you know, my OCD um, journey of trying to find help. I was like, I know that God gives his hardest battles to his strongest soldiers. That's always something I've heard. People kept telling me, you know, you're tough. You can do it. You want to go through. I don't want to be tough anymore. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else can relate, but I'm tired. and. 
that's all I can really say. And I know a lot of other people are feeling that way, especially given the state of our society right now. Everything is so expensive. We are young. We're trying to plan things. Everybody's living with their parents, living with roommates. You know, everyone's working multiple jobs, trying to figure it out. And I'm here to tell you, it's okay. This is just a season. And I know it feels like a long season. I know it feels like you're never going to get out. I feel like that. But I also know that every time I've had something major happen in my life, it's always taught me something. I've always grown from it, or at least tried to. It has always brought me a sense of peace looking back on my life and realizing that if I hadn't gone through these struggles or if I hadn't, um, you know, met these certain people, my life would be a lot different. It could be different in a good way. It could be different in a bad way. But everything in our lives is for a reason. And something that I need to learn and maybe I'll learn along my way of podcasting and sharing my journey and hopefully getting more listeners and kind of, you know, talking to different people. Something that I need to learn is just kind of letting the universe do its thing. Letting God letting whatever you believe in just run its course and not desperately trying to control every aspect of our lives and trying to keep a a grasp on everything it's it, it comes off very desperate and this is something that i struggle with so that's why i'm sharing because i always feel like i need to in control i need to know there's no way that this could happen or you know i'm when i was going through my mental health journey there's there's no way it's you know i need to get better i have to hurry i have to hurry i'm always rushing and right now is a point in my life where i am just me i don't know what the future holds and i don't want to try to predict what the future holds anymore I'm just trying to be okay in this present moment. And I encourage you to try to do the same. Look around. Take in a moment. Everything is okay in this moment. Without the past, without thinking into the future, look around, take in your environment and realize That everything is exactly what it's supposed to be at this time. And I find a lot of peace in that. No, does does that mean that I'm that I'm comfortable right now, that I'm happy, that I'm, you know, that I could just be like this forever? No. Like I want growth, I want change. But in order to change, we do have to go through these really difficult moments that are extremely uncomfortable and the only way out of the storm is through it and when you're in the midst and you're in the thunder you're in the lightning you're in the rain it looks like it can never be sunny again 
but I promise you the sun always comes out. It cannot rain forever. And this is something I'm trying to take my own advice on because I can talk and I can sit here all day and give you this advice. But to be honest, I was a hot mess yesterday. I was crying all day. I was, you know, in my feelings and, and it's okay. And that's something, you know, I need to, I need to stop trying to control my feelings, to control my emotions, to control my environment, to control everything. And I just let go and just let everything that's supposed to come to me, everything that I'm supposed to be, just happen. So with that, I will leave you on that note. I hope that you kind of took away some information from this episode. Um, I can go into more depth. I can go into more depth when Janelle is on here as well. I can always bring a guest on. We can discuss more things. But this isn't a, you know, sob story. Um, This isn't something that I would, you know, I'm trying to get pity for or anything. I really just want to share my story and I'm actually very honored that I am going to be speaking at a conference for OCD in April. So if anybody wants information about that, if anybody wants to come support, I can give you the information. Um, I'm actually going to be on a panel with my therapist and I'm going to be sharing real life experience with OCD, real life experience with going through treatment. And I'm so ecstatic for it um, because this is, I think I'm ready and this is an opportunity that I've wanted for a long time and I haven't been able to really share my story or be on a platform or anything like that. But I think now in my life, this is something that I'm ready for and it's kind of just come at like a really good pace for me. So I will be speaking at OCD conference in April super excited about that. I'm very passionate about that. Um, but I hope you kind of took away something from this episode, whether it was, you know, learning something new about having OCD, whether it was something that resonated with you that I said about, you know, going through struggles and always finding a way out. Um, I really hope that this episode was informational and that it was helpful. I hope that you can tune into our next episode. So yes, thank you and I will talk to you all soon.